I believe I got a prophetic word from someone. And um, it was, <clears throat> it was a word just to me, for me. But during worship, I felt like the Lord was saying, that's not just for you, that's for this body. So I'm going to share that word. And it's, the word was a restoration of gifts that you used to operate powerfully in. And they've, they've, um, and lately, and lately might mean if you're anything like me, the gift that I was being prophesied over this morning is, um, it's been probably decades since I'm really powerfully moved in that gift. And, um, and I just believe the Lord is using all of this in my heart and, and the word, the confirming word of the body of Christ, multiple people coming and kind of speaking the same thing, that he wants to um, reignite and restore these gifts of the body that you used to operate powerfully in. So will you do this? I'm going to give like 10 seconds for you just to take a moment of prayer and see if the Lord is asking you. I'm just going to leave silence. Is the Holy Spirit wanting to remind you or moving you that you're supposed to be moving in a gift that, that seems to not have been powerful for a while, not in operation? Okay, church, if you're aware of something that God wants to reignite, you, you have a gift. It's, he, he gives gifts and you have them, and you used to move in it. Just uh, raise your hand for me if you're one that's moved. You want restoration of that gift. Okay, church, look around. Keep your hands up. Look around and see who's got a hand up. And ask permission, those of you around them, the Spirit is in the body. When, when we gather, the, He's there among us, okay? So um, raise your hand one more time so everybody can look. Okay, if you're not raising your hand, um, ask permission before you touch somebody, but go over and ask if you can lay hands, and we're going to pray a prayer for the restoration of gifts. We're going to go into the courts, and we're going to ask the fullness of the power that's supposed to be on the body of Christ. There's somebody here. There's two people here. Come on, don't sit around. Move quickly. Move quickly to pray. The Spirit of God is in you. Yes, you are authorized to lay hands. In, when the Holy Spirit moves, you are authorized to be part of that movement. That's the truth in the Word of God. We're going to use our authority now. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to leave you to pray. But one thing, church, now listen to me. As you start to pray, pray with authority, with the faith of authority. We're not saying, oh, please, we're not begging. We believe the Lord's moving in this and, and command, speak words of life. You have that authority. Father God, we thank you for this move that you're doing in this body. We thank you that you are releasing fresh anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit over these gifts and the authority of the name of Jesus from the courts of heaven. We're releasing gifts right now. Gifts be released from the courts of heaven. Now, come Holy Spirit.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, Jesus, we remove barriers to these gifts in the name of Jesus. We command right now that any enemy, any, any foe of the powerful execution of these gifts now has to step aside in the authority of the name of Jesus. We are released to be powerful for the kingdom according to God's plan over our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Anybody want to praise him for that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 14. You love Romans, I know. <laughs> We're only going to be in Romans for a minute because we don't want her getting too excited this morning. <laughs> We're in part three of a series that I'm not sure if this is the title out there because I, I usually fail to hand out the title to the folks, but um, Disciples of His. We are disciples of His, right? We're not just saved people. How wonderful that is. But we have the privilege, the, the awesome invitation to follow Him, to be a disciple of the Master Rabbi. We get to walk with Him. Not just be saved out there somewhere, but in an intimacy that, that is the greatest privilege, that's the purpose of creation, <laughs> to be one with him. Um, I'm going to start reading here. This is just introduction here, okay? Verse 14, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. That's your brother. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. So listen, I read that for context, and then the next part's really going to matter here now. So the context is talking about loving well. It's talking about um, the kingdom that we're a part of is a kingdom where giving up our freedom, our so-called freedom for this world in order to have a higher freedom of a higher kingdom is what's being spoken of here. Y'all got it so far? Now listen, it says, and this is why we're reading this, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. So listen, you just got a definition of the kingdom. And we're going to talk about the kingdom this morning. Um, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but what is it? Righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Do you know that you can evaluate? This is a real thing. Listen, you can evaluate how much you are dwelling in the kingdom. You can actually do that. It's not big and mysterious. Um, how much of your life is marked by righteousness, peace, and joy? That's a miracle. Any part of your life that is marked by those things is a miracle. 
in this world for it to be marked by those things. And it's a difference in, in residence. It's, it's a difference in where you are, which kingdom you're a part of. And I'm sure that we can all sit here and you can note places in your life that are not marked by righteousness, peace, and joy. <laughs> for those of you who said, yep, thank you. You never want to leave me lonely. There are lots of areas in our life where you could easily evaluate whether it's more in the kingdom of God or whether it's more wrapped up in the kingdom of this world because you can just look and say, is it marked by righteousness, peace, and joy? <laughs> or anxiety and grief and yes? Okay, go to Matthew 13. Now we're into it. This is such a good, this is so good. I, see, I know what I'm going to say. So, <laughs> I think. So I know that this is good. And this is, we're just moving into, what do we got now? I've been impressing for weeks by the Lord's prompting what a privilege it is to be a disciple. And, um, and how we miss Jesus in our life. How the master is not the one that's in the failure side of the equation. Okay? He his what we just sang about it. His love is relentless. His his voice, his speaking to you as a disciple is unceasing. Um, our uh, inability to hear his voice or our lack of understanding or moving in it that's on us. And as a good master, as a good rabbi, to a disciple, he is absolutely committed to move us into a people who, who are powerfully able to, to go with him where he goes, to understand the words spoken over our lives, right? So um, we're going to talk about that. I'm starting in verse 10, if I didn't tell you that yet. It says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. That's the privilege. Are you feeling the privilege, first of all? Okay, and then what's been given to you? Solid, the, the, yes, I tried to say both words at the same time. I'm so excited. Um, the mysteries. What mysteries? Now, this is so critical, and this is where we're going. Not just any mysteries, not just random secrets. Mysteries of the kingdom. It's going to be so critical as we move forward. I'm so glad that's exciting to people besides me. Mysteries of the kingdom. It's been given to you, to disciples. In other words, listen. Before we even move on, this is showing that Jesus is well aware that there are some in earshot of the hearing that the mysteries have not been given to. Do you know the privilege, the seat that you sit in? When you're seated with him in heavenly places, you're in that place of intimacy. You really are in a seat of such incredible privilege. You're surrounded by people who've not been brought into that privilege yet. Sometimes it doesn't feel like a privilege because sometimes the word of God into our life is hard to grapple with because he loves well. He doesn't have the sappy kind. He's got the real kind that loves us into spirit and life. And that's really hard sometimes, but, you, but it doesn't speak to the privilege. It's, it's the privilege. 
The salt. It's the salt. Anybody been <laughs> the salt? Oh, now you got me going. <laughs> Anybody been through a healing journey of really horribly hurting wounds? <laughs> Was it pleasant all the way through? No, because it's real love, salt <laughs> in a wound. But what a privilege! Because we know we sang about it. We we know where this story ends. It ends in your wholeness in Jesus Christ. For a disciple, for one who walks in the privilege, it it makes wounds into wholeness, and it makes brokenness into wholeness. It makes weakness into power for the kingdom of God. Verse 12, For and here, listen to this now. This is Jesus speaking privately to his disciples. For whoever has, to him more will be given. There's a kingdom principle, boy. And he will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Notice that he says they don't understand. I'm going to tell you an insight um, that's a little bit new to me, even just, well, I'm, yeah, we'll leave it at that. New to me this week. I, how often does he talk about eyes that see, ears that hear? Okay, whenever you hear that, here's a key. That's understanding. Okay, we can, we can see the same two things. You and someone who's not a disciple can see the same two things or hear the same two things, and one has the ability to understand it from a spiritual realm, and one does not have the ability to interpret lightly or understand it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over. There's a, there's a prophecy there. Jesus speaks, speaks from um, words that he knows. But go to verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. That's a word to a disciple. That's not a word to anybody. That's a word to a disciple. The privilege of I have eyes that see. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Now, I have to ask this question before we move on. Why were the disciples asking, why do you speak in parables? Do you, I mean, why were they asking the question? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> because the Lord told me. I meditated on that one for, that I spent the most time right there, even though it's not the most of the message. I just, I had to get a handle on this. They were frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated? You, <laughs> you know the Lord, no, not you. You know the Lord has been speaking a word, but I mean, you feel the impression in your deepest spirit. You know there's a word in this. You, you see some of it, but you're frustrated because you're like, Lord, I don't understand. I don't, I don't know where you're trying to make me follow you to, or I don't know what to do about this, or I don't even understand what that word means. Anybody gotten those? I, I hear the words. I just, I'm having trouble knowing what they mean. They're frustrated. They're frustrated for that reason on a personal level. And if you know anything about the historical context, they're also frustrated because they have an agenda. And I'm going to tell you what it is. They, they are in living in a time and in a culture 
where the restoration of the kingdom of God means a right now restoration of the physical kingdom, means Israel comes back into power over Rome. They're watching Jesus gather crowds, and they're asking him, Lord, why do you speak in parables? You know why that's frustrating to them? Because they're like, that is not the way to keep increasing this crowd and gathering people so we gain this upper hand. We can, we can see where we're going. I think this is the Messiah. We're about to overturn this world. World. And, and they're frustrated with them because they're like, why don't you just tell them clearly? This is not the way, you know, if I, if I only ever taught up here in, in things that just all you ever did was go home and, and scratch your heads and go, man, he does, I don't understand. He never makes any sense. This church would be empty in no time, right? It's not the way you gather a crowd. They're frustrated with him. Why do you speak in parables? Right. In fact, I believe that's exactly right. In fact, I believe that's what's going on in the story. I believe it's clear. They're, they're frustrated on both fronts. You know, we don't even understand what you're talking about. So how can the crowds, why are you, why are you doing it like this? And show you, I'm going to show you why. I'm going sh- to show you why, because he showed me. <laughs> Go to, um, now go back to, now we're still there. We're still in Matthew 13. Um, now here's what I gotta say. This conversation where they ask him, why do you speak in parables, is in a context. In fact, it's a little bit out of place. It's like in the middle of a seamlessly flowing narrative. Have you ever noticed that? So let's go back to the beginning, to verse one of, of Matthew 13, and let's see what the uh, context is. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a good crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He Who has ears to hear, let him hear. What's the ears to hear? Understanding. He who can understand, who can see from a spiritual realm, let him understand. You got it? This is the context, okay? Um, And now I'm just going to tell you, we have to stop for just a minute before we move on. Um, He says very clearly um, what the word of, I mean, what the seed is, right? It's the, it's the word of God that's being sown into people's lives, okay? Uh, and I know you all know this, but we still have to say it. It's the word of God. And Jesus says what about his words? They don't return void. That's good. They're life. He says, my words are spirit and they are life. So listen, as you look at this parable, you have to understand that what, what Jesus is saying is what, what he's sowing 
is, yes, it is the word of God, and he's sowing this, but when Jesus speaks it into your life, it is spirit and it is life. In other words, what? He's trying to give the kingdom. When You understand when he speaks a word, um, it's finished. It doesn't say it could turn into spirit and life. Jesus says my words are spirit and they are life. So when it's spoken to you, it is the very spirit and life of the kingdom. And this is a parable about how the enemy steals the word of God in your life And, and exactly in what ways that that happens. How does the enemy, and what, steals the word of God. We're talking about the most devastating thing that we could think of to talk about this morning. The spirit and life that Jesus is trying to give into your life being stolen. There's nothing more devastating than that. Now keep your finger at Mark 13. Matthew 13, and go to Mark 4 with me. We're just going to read two verses. It's the same passage inspired by the Holy Spirit through Mark. And here, and he said to them, Jesus said to them, so what? Private conversation with disciples. The privilege. This is not for everybody. This is for disciples who follow. That he's speaking to them and he says, do you not understand this parable? Understanding is huge. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And that's all we really need from this one. Listen to me. Jesus questions, he says, he says do you not understand this parable? And then he says, how then will you understand all the parables? Now listen, in other words, Jesus, um, as he speaks to them, as recorded in the scriptures, and, and as he writes you as an epistle, as he speaks into your life, he, um, he is not giving parables that he means to be so complex and complicated that you need a certain amount of intelligence or something. <laughs> he's not playing games with you when you feel like you don't understand. Well, we got to put a fine point on this. What is this? I want to tell you that he's speaking about a condition. Not having ears and eyes, not having understanding as the Lord is speaking words into your life is a condition. It's not a lack of intelligence. And it's not because the parables or the words that he's speaking into our life are so complex that boy, you just have to have a degree in engineering to follow Jesus. <laughs> when you read the parable of the sower and the seed, it's not that complex. Are you following me? But And yet, there is a, a certain condition that opens the eyes of understanding for those that it's been given to to understand. Does that make anyone curious what that condition is? Good, that's the cliffhanger. We're gonna, no, we're going to do that before we're done today. But the first thing I need you to, to recognize here is, here, look at the parable with me. Um, we're only going to deal with the first manner of theft of the word of God to one of his disciples this morning. And look at how devastating that is for just a minute. It says, um, uh, behold, so um, if you want to read along, I'm back at Matthew 13, 3, okay? 
Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell by stony places. Okay, so let's, let's just do that. Some fell by the wayside. Now listen to me. Imagine yourself um, on a road. I don't care if you're walking down a path or driving down the highway. What's the wayside? It's like the, it's the shoulder, right? Some fell on the shoulder. In other words, in other words, I'm focused here. I'm going down this road, and there's there's a wayside where um, where you you'd have to stop and pause and look what's over here, what's being sown over here, or you just pass right by it, right? And the birds come and grab it. It's it's an immediate theft. Now listen to me. Um, Actually, let's do this. Um, I want to do a good job on this. So, so go to Matthew 13, verse 16. And what we've done is we've skipped over where we've started, where the disciples ask him, why do you speak in parables? And now what's happening here, right? No, 18, verse 18. Okay, now what's happening here is Jesus is taking the disciples aside intimacy, uh, private intimacy time to grant that understanding, okay? And I'm just going to read this. Verse 18, it says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. Here's the privilege. Now feel the privilege. You're a disciple. You get to have the understanding. But how do you get that, first of all? It's that privilege of being taken aside. It is the disciple that takes aside intimacy time with him the crowd is not here right now and it says 19 when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart this is he who received seed by the wayside now listen This is specifically talking about someone who has the word of God and does not understand it. And what does it say? The lack, you got to hear this, the lack of understanding is immediate theft. The lack of understanding is immediate theft of the spirit and life of the kingdom, the spoken word of Jesus into your life. So we need to know something about what condition causes us not to have understanding, don't we? Instant theft. So how would that work? Someone who has the condition that doesn't have open eyes for understanding, even, when, even as the Lord is speaking, is someone where, where um, it's like, well, you, you missed it there. You missed, you missed this chance or you missed this inpouring of spirit and life and you missed this one and you missed this one because what did he say? If you don't understand this parable, how do you understand any of them? How do you understand all of them? See, it's a condition. It's a condition of eyes open or not, ears open or not. And I don't believe he means it to be a mystery 
Um, it's a great, look, it's a great thing to pray, Lord, open my eyes. I don't want to miss it. I want all the spirit in life. That's great. Pray that. But let's just gain an insight, okay? We're talking about Jesus still is the master rabbi, and you still are a disciple. And so how is it that a disciple understands the rabbi and doesn't miss everything that the rabbi's trying to give? How is that? Um, let's find out. Um, go to See, you understand what they did. They weren't trying to learn something from the master. They weren't trying to pick up formulas or, or, or um, intricate knowledge or things like that. What were they doing? We've been talking about this. His present, they were looking to be with him in the relationship, and they were trying to become like him. They were trying to, you know, you minister that way, I'm going to minister that way. You live by, by this kingdom principle, I live by that kingdom principle. I'm becoming like you. I'm not gaining knowledge. In fact, the word of God says that, that knowledge is just sorrow. <laughs> and it doesn't say worldly knowledge, it actually just says knowledge. Even the spiritual knowledge is just sorrow. So watch this. I'm going to run through scriptures. So in other words, what? The disciple is trying to gain the same mind as the rabbi. And I'm going to suggest to you that when a disciple walks in the mind of the teacher, in the mind of their master, then you have eyes open for understanding. That master can speak and the disciple has understanding because you're of the same mind. You're, you're looking the same way. You're, you have the same goal. You're on the same path. You got it? And so when the words of Jesus come to you, you are one who is able to understand them and continue to go with Jesus. Do you know if you're, if you're walking, if someone was walking with me and I was walking like this along this straight line, and, and let's say the disciple, for example, is, is walking, and let's say you were one degree off in terms of direction. <laughs> what happens the longer we walk? It's amazing how much one degree will take you off. And I'm just going to, maybe that's a, a bad metaphor, I don't know, it's the best I got, for not having the same mind as the master is the, is the theft of understanding, which we just learned from the word of God, is the theft of, um, of the seed itself, of the word of God, which Jesus says, my words are spirit and life. How critical we are walking the, the same mind with Jesus so that we have understanding when he speaks and we're not being stolen from so, I'm going to go through a, a list of scriptures here, and I, I believe you're going to see this is the mind of the master. Are you tired of having words in your life that you're like, well, I, I sense you, Lord, I hear you, Lord, but I'm not sure I understand. I don't think he means for us not to be able to solve that. All through the word of God, it is about becoming one with him as he's one with the Father. Having the same mind. Romans 12 says, um, be, re be renewed in your mind. Why? Because it's absolutely critical to understanding all the parables. And I'm going to suggest you're living a life, uh, your life is filled with parables. <laughs> It's, he's speaking all the time in parables all the time. And we have open eyes or we don't. We have open ears or we don't. 
the spirit and life of Jesus is either being stolen or it's not, or we're the good soil that understands it. Did, did you notice that um, it is the seed by the wayside that speaks of understanding? And the good, so, and then there are other ways that the enemy steals that we'll probably talk about in future weeks. But did you notice that the last one is that it specifically, literally says that the good soil is the one who receives it and understands it? That's the definition of good soil. Have you ever noticed? I'll be honest and say I never really noticed that before. Good soil is someone who can understand the rhema, the spoken word of God, who can understand it. Absolutely critical. Okay, so I'll really do it this time. We're going to go through these scriptures now. I'm going to go quick. I'm going to encourage you, don't turn with me just because I'm going to go really fast because there's like 12 of them, but I want you to pick up on this with me. Matthew 4, starting verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. You got it? So what's he doing? So this is, this is, immediately at the beginning of his public ministry. It's right at the beginning of the story. And what's he doing? He's teaching in the synagogues. What's he teaching? The gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Now watch this, Matthew 6, verse 32. I'm going through the same gospel, just kind of skipping through. For your heaven, this is Jesus speaking. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, talking about all your worldly worries. Matthew 6, 32. Yeah, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, your worldly worries, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Matthew 9, 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people and releasing the kingdom, okay? Matthew 10, verse 5. So now listen, before I read that one, I, I got to just reiterate, as disciples, what are we doing? Trying to learn stuff from Jesus? Well, we're trying to walk with Jesus and become exactly like him, <laughs> minister like him, in the same power, in the same ways, with the same agenda of the same mind, right? This is how Jesus sends Matthew 10, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why would he tell, him, why would he tell them to minister that way? It was the same way he ministered. It's his mind. It's his mission. I'm going to show you why it's his mind, I think, before I'm done. It's his mind. The disciple is gaining the same mind so they would go out the same way. And what's the same way? The same way is preaching, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. That's how he sends them. And his mind, Jesus' mind on the matter, is right in the middle of it. 
Matthew 11, 11. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. I want to, I want to tell you something just kind of personal um, all, all the time. Um, for years now, my wife always tells me, um, no matter what I'm teaching, whether I'm, I'm teaching about spiritual warfare or, or rest and how that works in the kingdom of God or, or prayer, or, no matter what I'm teaching on, she said, you know, you only ever teach on one thing. And um, you only are ever, see, look at her nodding, you're only ever teaching the kingdom, like no matter what subject you're on. And I thought to myself, well, I, I had to agree with her um, without great understanding. Um, she always has more understanding than I do. <laughs> I had to agree with her, but it caused me to ask the question, like, why? I wonder, that is true. That is unique to my calling, I thought to myself. Um, wh why is it that I'm always preaching on the kingdom? And I realized, do you know the answer? Jesus only was ever preaching on the kingdom. He was only, you understand, John the Baptist's message was repent and turn this way. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But his message was repent, quit doing the world way, turn and go, turn and go this way because it's about to start, okay? That was John's message, repent and turn. What was Jesus' message? Always and only and ever, Jesus' message was follow me into the kingdom, that's the only thing he ever talked about. And I don't know, it must have been by Holy Spirit osmosis. I didn't even know that's what I was doing. You know, like in school when you'd study, you'd put the book on your head and we used to joke that I just do this, it'll soak in. <laughs> I didn't even know I was doing it. It was my wife since I would say, you know, you only ever preach on the kingdom. And it's because... Jesus <laughs> only ever was trying to give the kingdom. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and tell you now why. Do you know why? Because the word of God says, um, it says things. What does it say? It says, um, don't fear, little flock. We have it on plastered all over the wall in here. Don't fear, little flock, because it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Why does Jesus only ever talk on the kingdom? Because he's executing the good pleasure of the Father. I want to tell you something. Any word in your life, any impression you receive from him, any parable that, is, that Jesus has orchestrated and you're living out in your life right now, any activity of God, any move of the Spirit from the master rabbi to you, the treasured disciple, is for one purpose, and it's to follow him into the kingdom, to go deeper into the kingdom. That's it. To quit this world kingdom and ever be moved into the kingdom of heaven. Right, starting right now. I'm not talking about you got to die to do... The, well, you do have to die. Uh, I got to be careful. Um, only <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. You don't have to physically die and be buried in the physical. It's, it's right now. Jesus was doing it right then with his disciples. And I want to show you something. After he raised from the dead, it didn't change. 
and I'll prove it to you. Because, you know, you're going you're gonna to hear really, really um, credentialed theologians who would tell you, well, that changed. No, it didn't. Go to Acts chapter 1 with me. Verse 1. Here, I'm just reading, starting right at the beginning of the books of the Acts of the Holy Spirit here. The former account I made, O Theophilus. I'll let you finish. <laughs> I'm excited. I just... <laughs> Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. So we're talking about after the resurrection, the period he's appearing to the disciples. Um, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he'd chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, now listen, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, <clears throat> here's the key, okay? All the words of God spoken into our life, the enemy wants to steal. He does not want you to come into the fruit of the spoken word of God. And it's because he hates Jesus, okay, and his kingdom. And these words are in your life. And the seed, the seed where we lack understanding is immediately stolen. And now here's the thing. So how do we have open eyes of understanding? How do we put a stop to the stealing of the word of God in our life? And I'm talking about the rhema, the fresh breathe, the spirit, the, the spirit and life of the kingdom that Jesus is trying to give you because it's the good pleasure of the Father to give you that. How do we stop it from being stolen? We can only interpret the words of Jesus from one filter. If we don't do it from the mind, if we don't interpret everything, every spoken word of God, I don't care if you get them audibly <laughs> or you're, you're living out parables in your life, I don't care how he delivers that word from the courts of heaven into your life, not just words, spirit and life of the kingdom. I don't care how it comes to you. You will lack understanding of it if it's not interpreted from the mind of the master, from the way he thinks, what road he's on, what he's trying to accomplish. You'll get the wrong interpretation every time. And the only way you understand it and apply it, get the right interpretation in your life, is when you understand that every word that he speaks into your life is to give you the kingdom, is to move you from world kingdom to the kingdom of heaven right now. You see, part of the reason the disciples were frustrated was because of the agenda they were carrying. <laughs> How many of you got agendas that aren't the Lord's all the time? It'll cause you to misunderstand the words of Jesus and lose the spirit and life he's trying to give you all the time. Why does he say, um, we read this scripture, um, wherever it is, why does he say, um, seek the kingdom of heaven first? And these, these worldly things, that, that'll be added to you, but seek first. Well, he doesn't want your understanding to be stolen. You got it? His focus, he is not trying to fortify your place in this world. 
(laughs) He's not trying to fortify your place in this world. He's trying to move you from it. He's saying, come follow me. He's trying to remove you from it into the kingdom of heaven. I want to read this scripture again. Um, Matthew 13, 11. He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now listen to me, church. You either believe the words of Jesus or you don't. It's been given to the disciple to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He's not playing mind games with you. (laughs) It is his intent. He's crazy about you. It is his intention that you are one who understands and gets to have the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He loves you like that. Lack of understanding is a condition of having our own mind instead of his. And so therefore, no matter what he speaks, it's immediately stolen. You cannot follow a master and keep your own mind on the matter. Keep your own priorities and values on the matter. It's not how discipleship worked in their day. It's not how those who followed Jesus walked. They sold everything they had and they went and followed. In other words, they sold everything they had. They had no other priority. They had no other value that competed with anything than other than gaining the mind of the master so we can walk exactly like he does. Their goal was to, was to do the same thing the same way with the same amount of power. Do you know that literally in their culture... Um, Um, Max, who's not here this morning, shared this with me. In their culture, literally, they tried to walk like the rabbi. Did you know that? And I don't mean the way we mean that metaphorically. It It was like if the rabbi would walk through town like this, so would they. They would follow him going... It's the truth. They tried to literally imitate the way you scratch your ear. It's not his mission to fortify your false security in this world. And it doesn't matter what he speaks, if that's what your mindset is. Um, Even if just, you know, I mean, even if just back there in the back of your mind, it's causing misunderstanding of the words of God spoken over your life. It just is. There were so many scriptures, I had to whittle like 20 pages out of this because I knew I had to finish this one. I couldn't do that. I only got halfway through it thing. It's, it's so clear in the word of God that he, he is not fortifying your position. He is not making it so that, um, so that the false security you have in this disgusting place is some security you're allowed to keep. He is, he is moving you from the false security, from the ways of thinking in this world into a kingdom so that you are a kingdom releaser. Why? Because that's who he is. And we're becoming like the rabbi. Misunderstanding is the immediate theft of the word of God in your life. So I'm going to put this out there. Here we go. If 
you're anything like me, and you commonly have the experience of sensing a word of God in your life, but you feel like you don't understand, I would say stop and say, how am I putting myself in the condition of not thinking like you think? And that's why I can't understand these words you're speaking to me. He doesn't mean it to be that way. It's been given to you to know the mysteries. It's the freely given automatic privilege of a disciple to know the mysteries of the kingdom. You know, and I don't think that um, I don't think that it's mysterious that I, uh, I shouldn't say that coincidence or, or just a side note that it's the seed by the wayside. You see, because the other thing you see here is the disciples are gaining this insight by taking an intimacy moment with him. Understanding comes. You know, I believe he speaks, he's, he does this all the time and he does it on purpose. And it's because, it's because he desperately wants to get with you. He just, he wants to get with you. So what, do you all have this experience? And so he'll speak a word and, and you, you know you got that. You know you just sensed that. Or you know you just heard those words, however that is for you. And you're, you know that it's a word from God. But you're like, boy, I don't know what that means. That, that's a mystery I don't have a handle on. And, and what? It's when, you, it's when you step over to the side with him. It's when you get intimate with him, just like in this story we're reading, that the disciple gets to have that, that tr treasure, that intimacy of letting him say, oh, I want you to understand. I mean, you're going to have to stop doing the run down the path as fast as you can thing. You're going to have to step over on the wayside and gather a couple of the things that I'm speaking to you and sit with me for a minute. <laughs> If you want to have any understanding and you don't want the enemy to steal that word that's sown, you're going to have to stop for a minute. <laughs> and he is willing to drive you nuts. Anybody else know that? He is willing to speak things that you have absolutely no understanding. And you're like, you're like, wow, I know that's from you. And if you keep doing that to me, I'm going to go nuts. And I'm realizing the it's an invitation. <laughs> When the Lord speaks those hard things, when the Lord wants to get his words are spirit and life, when he's trying to give you spirit and life, the voice of the master is usually something really way out on the weird scale. Anybody else? Why? Because he's not going to like give it to you as you run like, like joggers at the water station where, where you're, you're running this course and you grab, you know, half the water flies out and the other half goes on the face. <laughs> That's not his way. He's, the rabbi wants to be intimate because, because the whole purpose of this whole thing is that he's in love with you. He's totally in love with you. <laughs> and yeah, he's totally willing to do the drive you crazy thing. To sow a seed of spirit and life to you. That in order to really, to not have the enemy steal it and to have the fullness of the understanding of that and walk deeper into the kingdom, follow Jesus right in step with him, you're going to have to stop over on the wayside for a minute and talk about those words with him. 
These disciples asked the question, why do you speak in parables? Because they were, he was driving them nuts. They were frustrated with him. That's why they asked that question. And they get the insight when they take a minute and stop and say, I'm not willing not to understand. If you're going to speak into my life, I'm not willing not to have understanding of it. Anybody else? Wanna, yes? Okay, one, <laughs> one more verse. I just want to read this again. Matthew 13, verse 23. And this is, really, this is really the final thought, and we'll just see if the Lord wants to do anything else. But he who received seed on the good ground... Actually, let's do this. Will you just, um, if you're comfortable with it, close your eyes. Let, let's do this kind of as a lectio. I'm feeling led to let the Holy Spirit speak instead of just my mouth. Take some breaths. Come, Holy Spirit. I ask that these words of yours, as you spoke them, that these would be spirit and life to our hearts right now that you would actually be transforming our hearts as we just absorb the word that you speak even right here. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Father, I'm asking that this body of Christ, that we would become those who are the hundredfold. We want to walk with you. We want, we want increase and multiplication of the kingdom and the authority of your name, Jesus. I'm asking, Lord, that you are transforming us into a people who are not running so fast through this life that we're, that we're failing to stop and gain understanding and intimacy with you. Lord, we, we want to thank you and praise you that you are speaking words to us, your disciples, and that it is your heart for us to understand them. And we want that understanding, Lord. We don't want to miss it. Lord, I ask that you would impress deeply on our hearts that you are only ever trying to give us the kingdom and that this is the key to understanding everything you speak. We praise you for that extravagant love that you want to give us that by the will of the Father.
And in the authority of the name of Jesus, I bind the enemy to steal understanding in this body. Ask, Lord, that you are releasing clarity of mind, clarity of heart. Give us, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear as we think like you do and follow you into the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are so privileged to be your disciples. Jesus is the tree of life. Somebody, go speak what speak what he's giving you. We allow tears. It is written. I think it's in Psalm 119. I'm not sure. But the psalmist cries out, give me understanding that I might live. And, and you cry out with that from a hungry heart. So you have to ask God for that hungry heart if you don't have it. But he gives us that hungry heart. And in another place, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And that's for understanding that we might live. The Lord showed me a long time ago, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've given you the tree of life. Amen. And it's Jesus. Amen. That's what he's trying to show them all the time. He does mean for you to have understanding. Amen? Amen. Okay.